At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Newish. Everything's changed, have you? Where we're celebrating that in Christ, we have been given new life. The only question is, are you living it? Let's turn to Romans chapters five through seven to decipher whether we're living in Christ's freedom or trapped in the patterns of our old life. All right, this morning, if you have a Bible, I wanna encourage you to take it out and turn with me to Romans. Romans chapter six, we're gonna begin this morning in uh, verse 15. Romans six. You know, I've got a question for you this morning. It seems as though one of the buzzwords that uh, is going around the world today is this word freedom. Have you heard it? Freedom. It's what makes us American, right? It's what makes this country the greatest country that it has ever been. We know that freedom is an inalienable right that is endowed to us by our creator, right? It's something that we know that we have. It's something that is written on our hearts. And I think this idea of freedom, if we misunderstand its true meaning, then we can go sideways real quick, right? We live in a world right now where everyone is fighting for their freedom, and anyone that infringes upon your freedom, that person becomes a tyrant. We don't want anyone to be the boss of us. We want to write our own story, walk our own way, make our own choices, do our own things. You guys feeling me? But I think today, I want to challenge your definition of freedom. I want to challenge your definition of freedom today because we see our culture has taken this word of freedom and it's pressed upon it a definition that by in and of itself is an illogical fallacy. Our culture says that freedom is the power to act or the right to act, speak, and think however we feel without the hindrance of restraint. Another way of saying that, freedom is living without boundaries. That there are no boundaries in life. Do whatever makes you feel good. Do whatever you like. Do whatever allows you to pursue happiness. This is a very dangerous definition of freedom. This is a disastrous definition of freedom. Let me work this out for you so you can see the logical end of utilizing this definition of freedom. Right? So if, if you're free to pursue happiness and I'm free to pursue happiness, what happens when our pursuit of happiness collides? Let me put it another way. Let's say you and your family are in desperate need of toilet paper. Like, there's no more in the house. So you run down to the grocery store and you come into the aisle, the toilet paper aisle, and there in the toilet paper aisle, you see me. I'm there because my family's in desperate need of toilet paper. There's no more in the house and I have a house full of girls, so we need toilet paper. I don't know how we go through it so much. 
but I need toilet paper, you need toilet paper, and we come to the toilet paper aisle at the same time, and we reach for the last container of toilet paper at the same time. There's only one left. My pursuit of happiness, my pursuit of freedom now collides with your pursuit of freedom. And I'll tell you what, only one person is going to get that toilet paper package that day. So someone's gonna win and someone's gonna lose. And you know who's gonna win? It's the one with the most power. If you're stronger than me, then you get the toilet paper. If I'm stronger than you, then I get the toilet paper. And in essence, what this, this definition of freedom causes us to do is to seek power. Right? We have to have ultimate power because ultimate power allows my pursuit of happiness to be pursued to the detriment of your own. But even think about that. There is a limit, a hindering factor to the amount of power that you can have. Nobody can have all power. And so you're even limited to that. I want you to understand this definition that our society has come into does not actually make us a free society. It makes us a slave society. We're slaves to power. We're hungering and thirsting for power and we'll do anything to get it. I'm fearful that this is the standard definition of freedom that is at work in our current culture. But let me remind you that true freedom cannot be experienced under this definition. Freedom has to come with constraints. Freedom has to have fences. It has to have boundaries in order for you to have freedom. Let me, let me share with you just quickly that this idea of freedom being experienced, it's called the American experiment, right? America is the only free country in the world or was at, at one time. But what makes America so great is it was founded on the, the idea of the triangle of freedom. And I've shared this with you before. It's this idea that freedom, we are able to experience freedom or we're able to self-govern ourselves when three factors rely on each other. First is freedom. In order for us to have freedom, we must have people that are virtuous people. People need to be virtuous. That means they need to have some sort of code of ethics. They have to have some sort of decency about themselves that informs them of what's good and what's bad. They have to have the ability to know what's good and bad. Well, how does that ability to be virtuous get informed? Well, it gets informed through faith. Faith, a set of whatever we believe in, usually what we believe in comes along with it, a code of ethics, right? For the Christians, so we have the law and we have the Bible. For someone that is Catholic, they have the Bible. For someone that's Jewish, they have the Torah. And so we see that our faith informs our virtue. But in order for that to even have that uh, faith, we need to be free. All three of them are relying on each other. So we need to be free so that we can live virtuous lives and our virtue is informed by our religion and our religion, we have to have freedom of religion in order to experience all that. And you're like, okay, I get it. Yeah, that's right. But you see 
that in order to be free, we have to have constraints. There has to be something that tells us what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's bad. So in essence, in order to live free, we need constraints. For no matter what definition of freedom you use, if you want to use the American definition or if you want to use what our culture now is saying, they both have boundaries. Either they're bound by power or they're bound by truth. And here's the crazy thing, that the world doesn't want you to believe this. But the scripture tells us today that we are all enslaved. That's not a popular word today. The imagery of being enslaved is absolutely a horrible word. When we see it even playing out in our current cultures as, as people are human trafficked, people are really enslaved in the world today, and they have been over the centuries, and it's a horrible practice. But today as we come to Romans chapter 6, this is the imagery Paul is using this is the metaphor that Paul is using to help us understand our identity in Christ. So instead, with the way the world wants to reject it, we need to embrace this idea of being enslaved in the proper way. Here's the big idea for today. Is that everyone is a slave, but only Christians are free. And we're going to work this out together. And I know this is hard to hear, and it may even sound offensive to you. But the truths that we see today are timeless, they are eternal, and they are divine. And today we're going to unpack this together so that we can see who we truly are in Christ and what Christ has done for us. So before we dive in, I've, I've got to go back just a little bit and get you up to speed because we're diving into the middle of a letter that Paul is writing. It's the most beautiful explanation of the gospel. It's the most thorough and depth, deep conversation about the gospel that I think might have ever been written because this oh, it is greater than ever, anything that's been written because it is inspired. And so what we need to understand is that it begins by talking about each one of us that are, have been given life are born into this world of sin. And because we're born into this world of sin, we all are facing an eternal spiritual death. Not only a physical death will we experience, but we'll all experience an eternal spiritual death. Because we followed in the rebellious pattern of Adam. A few weeks ago, we looked at Romans chapter 5, verse 12 that said this, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So we're all cursed from the moment that we've been given life. We're headed towards a place called hell for all of eternity without the ability to save ourselves. We've all sinned. We've all violated God's law. And how do we know this? Because he has given us his law. God has shown us because God is the creator of all things. He is the one that gets to set the boundaries of life. He gets to determine what's good and what's bad and what's right and what's wrong. He's given us this. And in Romans chapter 3 verse 20, we see, For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight, since the law comes knowledge of sin. So through the giving of what's right and what's wrong, we now know that we are sinful. Every person knows that they are sinful. 
But not only has he given us his law, he's also given us his standards, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. God says in order to be with God, in order to have a relationship with God, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2 says, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord God, am holy. So here's the standard then. The standard is perfection. And it's not just an Old Testament teaching. Jesus even talks about it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. He says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So he, let me put this all together. You are born wretchedly sinful. I am born wretchedly sinful. And we're on a course that leads to death. And the more that we live, we know the law that God has given. We know right from wrong. And though we choose to do wrong over and over and over again, we also know that God has given us a standard of perfection. So we're in this place where we are desperately in need of something because we can't get out of the pit that we've created. And this is the beauty of the gospel. For Romans tells us, Paul tells us, that the hope of the world is Jesus himself. Because Jesus himself met God's standard for perfection. He never sinned. He never did anything wrong. And yet he came with a purpose to go to a cross so that his, he could exchange his life for our life. Where he could, on the cross, take the penalty for our sin the Bible tells us that he endured the wrath of God. And so because Christ died and Christ rose again, we can have faith or we can have trust and faith and the grace of God can be extended to us and we can have peace with God. So right here where we are is we're understanding that Paul is now saying, now that you are in Christ, this is what it means. Now that you've come to place faith in the work of Christ, this is how you work this out. And he's been talking about uh, how these two things like the law and grace and how uh, if we're made new or we're, no longer, um, we're no longer responsible for our sins because our sins have been forgiven, then why don't we just continue to sin? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. But now, as we look here again, let's dive into our, our verse today. And we can see that he's going to continue on this conversation. He says, what then? Because prior to that, he says, for the sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but now you're under grace. That's verse 14 that we left off on last week. So the question then becomes to, to the believer that's trying to now live out this new identity it's so like, okay, Paul, so I'm no longer under the law, but I'm under grace, right? The, the law was given. The law has no power to make you sinless. The, the law, all it does is it, it stands there as the standard to condemn you. And so what Paul is saying here is you're no longer under the law, but you're under grace. So when you sin, more grace, more grace, more grace. And so then the question begins, well, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, under grace? Can I continue to do whatever I want? Can I continue to live out this idea of the cultural freedom? And then Paul answers her quite quickly. And he says, by no means. He says, by no means. And he's going to begin to unpack this a little bit more. And he's going to come to this idea of us understanding that we are slaves. We're all slaves to something. But the reality is those who are believers are free to choose who they are a slave to. 
So how do we know who we're a slave to? We first know, and we're going to see in verses 15 through 19, we know who we are a slave to by who we obey. Look with me in verse 15. He says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness? So we should not continue to sin because grace abounds, but we need to understand that our slavery or who we obey changes. So whomever's voice we listen to, whatever, whoever we submit to, whatever we are conformed to, whatever we become subservient to, that person or thing is what has power over us or authority over us. Let me illustrate this to you. Imagine this uh, box here represents sin. And what we've been learning so far is that when we are born, we are born with shackles on our hands. And we become a slave to sin. Now, my arms aren't big enough to get around this, but just imagine. Right? Am I free? If I'm a slave to sin, the sin then determines where I am. The sin determines then what I do. The sin determines what I can and cannot do. And I'm a slave to it. I can't get out of it. And yet Paul is telling us now that we are no longer slaves to sin. That Christ has freed us. We still have the shackles on our hands, but we have a chance to choose. Who is going to be our master? Who is it that we're going to obey? And Paul tells us that what we should do is become a slave to righteousness. Take ourselves and give ourselves over. Give our freedom to Christ and allow him to determine where we go, for him to determine what we do and how we live. We are called to be a slave to righteousness. And we know who, we are master, who our master is by whom we choose to obey. Now it's interesting that Paul is using this terminology to his listeners at this time because those in Rome understood this idea of slavery. Some statistics uh, say that in, in, in Rome at the time, up to one out, of, one out of every two persons was either a slave in their past based on choice. Some of them were a slave based on the fact that they were brought into it or they had no choice. And then some were freed from their slavery because they were able to buy back their slavery. And so Paul is writing to believers that understand this idea of slavery that understand that you have to obey who your master is, that you do what you're told, or else you face consequences. There were so many slaves in Rome at this time that at one time they used to um, have slaves have different kinds of clothing. So they would cover all the people. If you were a slave, you had to wear this kind of clothing. But there were so many slaves that they stopped doing that. Because they, there was fear that the slaves would gather together and they would revolt. Because there were more slaves than there were free. So Paul is saying to us as believers, by whom we obey, we show who our boss is. We show who our master is. We are born as a slave to sin, but Christ gives us freedom but here's the crazy thing for the Christian life. 
is that though we have the shackles in our hands and though we're supposed to be slaves to Christ, how many times do we want to wander back and shackle ourselves to sin once again? We have the freedom. And yet we come back here over and over and over again. And if we're honest with ourselves, we find ourselves more likely slaves to sin than we are to slaves of righteousness. This should not be. Church, this should not be. We're no longer slaves to sin. We have the power to overcome sin by shackling ourselves to the cross of Christ. And in him, we truly have freedom. Let me ask you some questions today. Are you a slave to self-righteousness? Right, do you, what makes you tick and what makes you work? Is it people's approval? Is it your good deeds? Are you trying to just do good things so that everyone looks to you and say, that's a good person? Maybe you're a slave to self-righteousness. Maybe you're a slave to ambition. Maybe your goal in life is to make much of yourself and you want everyone to know who you are and they want everyone to know what you've accomplished in your life. Are you a slave to your ambition? Maybe you're a slave this morning to your appetite. That can go a lot of ways but we all have a craving in our souls. We all have an emptiness in our souls. And so many times we wanna fill that with things that can instantly gratify us. We don't wanna wait. And so we have this insatiable hunger. We have this insatiable appetite and we fill it with whatever. And maybe, maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's some other substance. Maybe it's a toxic relationship. I don't know what it is, but we all have appetites. And if we're not allowing that appetite to be filled with the righteousness of Christ, then we become a slave to it. I remember reading in the Old Testament. You guys remember reading in the Old Testament after God had come and set Israel free, right? And he sends them out into the wilderness and says, hey, go to the land that I'm gonna show you. you gotta, you're gonna take this journey. I promise I've got this land. I've got, you're gonna have my presence. You're gonna have my power with you. You're gonna have everything that you need. And how many times did the Israelites in Israel call out to God and say, God, we wish that we were back as slaves in Egypt. What? where they want to go back instead of hearing the voice of their heavenly father saying that he loves them and he accepts them and he wants great things for them. They want to hear the voice of their taskmaster. We need to stop living like this. We no longer live in Egypt. We no longer live as slaves, but God has made us free. And we know who our master is by whom we obey. Because I love verse 17. Look at me, verse 17. He says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. 
So now you present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. See, now that we have been set free, we no longer follow the teachings of this world. We no longer follow the worldly definition of freedom. Instead, we have God's word that he shows us how we are to live. He shows us the good life. He shows us the freedom that we have inside of the boundaries, inside of the fences. You have freedom in there. You have life in there. We've been set free from these standards and now we have a new teaching because we've been set free from sin. Now we can become slaves of righteousness. God's word informs our thinking. God's word informs our actions. And now we are free to choose to walk in the ways of Christ or to walk in the ways of the world. Maybe you're not convinced yet. Maybe you're like, well, maybe I'm, I'm really not that bad. I know that God has set me free and I, and I want to do what's right and I want to do that. Well, God, or Paul gives us the second thing that we can do to see who our master is. He says, you'll know your master by who you obey, but you'll also know your master by what fruit you reap. Look at the fruit that you're reaping. Right? If, just as a slave, a slave goes to work for their master, Right? A slave is called to do work, to produce things so that the master benefits. And either you're reaping fruits of righteousness or you're reaping fruits of sinfulness. There's only two ways that we can live in this world. So we choose to shackle ourselves to produce fruit. And when we shackle ourselves back to sin, it produces shame and death. I pray that as we read Galatians chapter 5, 19 and following, that you allow these words to wash over you and that you allow the Holy Spirit to convict you. Because in Galatians chapter 5, Paul gives us a list of the works of the flesh. You can know for sure that you are a slave to sin when these things start being produced in your life. Let me give you the list. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Sensuality. Idolatry. Sorcery. Enmity. Strife. Jealousy. Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things do not inherit the kingdom of God. Did that sting a little bit? When these things become evident in our life, fits of anger, rage, other divisions, dissensions, enmity, when all of those things begin showing up in your life, they may show up in your marriage, they may show up in your parenting, they may show up in your driving, 
They may show up in the things that you watch on TV. They may show up in all the various areas of your life. But when they start to be produced in your life, you can know that you shackled yourself back to sin. And Paul says, may it never be. May it never be. Because we're no longer a slave here. God has given us the freedom so that we don't have to live under sin's oppression. You see, when we allow these sins to show up in our private life, that's one thing. But when these sins, when the fruits of sin begin to show up in our public life and people begin to see it, that's another thing. And that brings more shame. And shame left unchecked leads to death. But Paul goes on later in the very next verses in Galatians chapter 5, and he gives us these beautiful picture of the fruits of righteousness. He shows us these fruits of righteousness. And we can know that we become a slave to righteousness when these things begin to be produced in us. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, this is what the world really needs us to see is that we are shackled to righteousness. And when we do, peace comes. Joy is produced. Love, kindness, faithfulness. This is the picture of what the world needs to see. Is us shackled to the cross. Saying, I freely give myself, Lord, over to you so that you will produce these things in me. Because I can't do it on my own. You can't produce love on your own. You can't produce faithfulness on your own. You can't produce self-control. No matter how much you want to change your behavior, you can't do it. The only way it's going to be done is if you shackle yourself to the righteousness of Christ. Got to get one more point. (laughs) We know who our master is by who we obey. We know who our master is by what fruit we produce. We know who our master is by what wage we receive. So a slave works for their master. A slave produces work for their master. And a slave also gets paid. And this is what we see with the third question, what destiny awaits you? Romans 6.23, a very familiar verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, what he's talking about here is there are two destinies. Those that slave themselves to sin, they are working, and they are working towards a wage. And what is that wage? That wage is death. The wage is eternal damnation. For the wages of sin is death. But then we see this, that the wage of sin is death. For those that believe in Christ and find themselves in Christ, Christ went to the cross to pay the wage for your sin. And he died, but came back to life. 
so that now he's before you as a free gift. You can't do anything to earn it, but Jesus stands before you because he took your penalty, he took your pain, he paid the wage or was paid the wage for your sin on the cross. And yet he says, here I am. Trust in me for everything. Because in Christ is eternal life. What destiny awaits you, life in Christ or death in sin? This morning as we come to put this into practice, I think it's appropriate like we do on the first Sunday of every month to take the Lord's Supper. And for a moment, I want us just to pause and remember the price that was paid for our sin. And if you haven't, got, you haven't been able to pick up your communion uh, cup, you can run out to the lobby and get it. You'll have a, a couple minutes to go ahead and grab that. But you know, as Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper to remember his sacrifice on our behalf. It's his act through his death, burial, and his resurrection that allows us to be free, that we no longer have to be a slave to sin. But we can be free to live for Christ we need to remember that it's only our peace and hope are only found in the work of Jesus. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you, God, that we no longer have to be slaves to sin, but that we can be slaves to righteousness. And how desperately, God, you want to use us especially as we live in this world where people are going crazy and they have no hope. Father, we own that hope. We believe in that hope. And Father, you're calling us, you're moving us so that we would share that hope. Father, this morning as we take this bread and as we take this cup, let us remember your sacrifice. Let us remember the cost of our own sin. And let us celebrate in the fact now that we can have peace with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.